Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast, here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, July 20, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And it was Turnaround Tuesday. So let's start with the obvious. For example, on the daily chart, yesterday we had a shenanigans candle. Today, the market ran right up to fill that gap right where the shenanigans tail candle went yesterday. So this is what we're talking about. The high yesterday on the daily chart, 431.41, but the market wasn't up there. It was up there today, but not yesterday. So that's why we call it a shenanigans tail candle. There's shenanigans in the market. Let's continue on with the daily chart. What we want to notice is what's jumping off the page, what's important to us. Well, For one thing, I can't help but notice that they got to and closed above the 20 period moving average. So they filled the gap, but stayed up there and closed above the 20. That puts them right back into the trend is your friend until what? You got it. Until she tosses your crap out the window. This is the weekly chart. Remember yesterday we discussed and we always discuss the trend is your friend and on the weekly chart. There's nothing wrong with this particular chart, this tape, this market. There's nothing wrong as long as they're above all the moving averages and they're riding the 20 period moving average as it creeps higher. So from a technical perspective and until the shorter time frame, in this case the daily chart, morphs into something different and changes trend and confirms that it changes trend like with follow through for example, then this is just a pullback like yesterday in an uptrend. The trend is your friend. It's the dominant force and it's what draws the market up. So any excuse to send the market up in an uptrend, it's easier to do. Here we are on the 240 minute chart. Couple of things we notice on this chart. Also, it was on the daily chart, which is what they did today was a normal garden variety retracement from high to low. The retracement was back up toward the high. And if you've taken the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, you'll know what I'm referring to in terms of a garden variety retracement. They filled the gap. They closed below the gap. Closing above the gap would have been certainly more bullish than closing below the gap. So that's of note. It's a puzzle piece. We'll put it on the table. It's not that big of a deal. There's a 20 period moving average on the 240 chart right above current price. Can they get into and spike through the 20 period moving average tomorrow? Yeah, why not? What is the next area of overhead resistance? 433.50. What about the 120 minute chart? Can we learn anything from this chart? Well, actually we can. In fact, the takeaway from this chart is a little bit different than the 240 chart. A, you want to see what the price action was with the gap On this chart, the gap is at the same place because it's a different time frame. When this particular chart closed this candle, they closed above the gap. That's bullish, but then immediately in the next candle into the end of the day, they close the day below the gap. That's interesting. It's again of note. It's a puzzle piece. I just like to take all these little nuances from the different charts. I put them all on the table together and we discard what we don't need later, but I need all the information as we run through the charts. They ran into the 20 period moving average on this chart, not getting to 
the 50. Again, just of note, I'm running through the analysis. On this chart, the resistance is more likely around 333 and change rather than 333.50. Why is that? When you go down and look at an hourly chart, you'll notice that the stymie today or the overhead resistance was the 100 period moving average on this chart. You'll notice how different charts have different looks, different moving averages are in different spots, but when they converge or they come to the same price area on different charts and they're different moving averages, that gives you more of a sense of where the overhead resistance really is going to come in. In this case, and we saw it in the 120 chart, there's more likely resistance at 433, so we've got a zone between 433 and 433.50 from the 240 chart. And then when we go down to an intraday 15-minute chart, I wanted to make note of this. The last candle of the day had a lot of volume in it on the downside meaning there were extra sellers that entered the market at the end of the day. Now let's compare and contrast what happened yesterday. The last 15-minute candle yesterday was what we like to call, and in technical terms, a jam session. So interestingly enough, the volume was about the same, maybe a little bit more yesterday's jam session than it was in today's decline, Yesterday's jam session was a lot more expansive, we'll say. It was a bigger candle than what happened today. Now, I don't know exactly what we're going to make out of this information. I note it. It's on the chart. It jumped out at me, so I brought it to you. I just found it interesting that at the end of the day, rather than having another jam session higher... They had, I guess, what we'll say, the opposite of a jam session. It's interesting. It's of note. We'll see what happens. If the market is selling when we wake up in the morning, then A, we can draw back to the sell at the end of the day. This is a 60-minute chart. And B, what we'll know is that 429 will be important. So if they open the day below 429, that's a big deal. If they open the day above 429, but they're selling early in the morning, 429 should be, and we emphasize should be, because those type of things are handled in real time. This is the night before, but should be support. How about inside the numbers? Well, it was somewhat of a runaway market today. So in a runaway market, it takes the opportunity away for traders. As traders, we need the tape to go in both directions. We need support to get hit. We need bounces off support. We need resistance to get hit. We need pullbacks off resistance. We need the market to formulate patterns during the day that tells us what the next likely move is going to be. None of that happened today. It was just a runaway. They went sideways for a while, and that was basically the end of the day. They take the opportunity away from stocks on the move when they do a gap higher and go. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to run through the notes anyway. Let you read the notes. I urge you to pause the video Read the notes and go back to the charts to double-check the work. If you do so, you'll notice something a little bit unorthodox in today's Inside the Numbers. Basically, in a nutshell, I took a position along with Inside the Numbers members, meaning I posted it so it was up to any individual trader if they wanted to follow suit, which was a not intraday trade, but it was a, or meant to be, a multi-day or at least give me the opportunity to extend a few days for a trade on the short side. I did it using weekly put options. I don't do that a lot, once in a while, 
Not a lot, and I've never done this before inside the numbers. I'm kind of testing the waters a little bit based on what I think is coming and the type of volatility that I think is coming in the market over the next few months. So I'm kind of in the stage of getting prepared or pre-prepared to expand inside the numbers a little bit to include not only some intraday trades, but some overnight or even two or three day type of trades. We'll say it's in somewhat of a beta test right now, but I just wanted to let you know that it's in there today. And if you're reading through the notes, you'll see exactly what it was. It's underwater at present. The market ran away. The initial position was before the gap. The ad or the second half of the position, at least for me, was at the gap. So it's not terrible. It's underwater a little bit. Not that big of a deal. We only had two potential stocks on the move opportunity today, Vertex and PPG. Neither of them hit their price objective or entry target. They came somewhat close, but they didn't get there. So there are no trades. They're off the board. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Up 3% today. This is what they call a snapback, rip your face off rally. And this happens. So there's a couple of things. Type of rallies like this is the reason why I covered half the trade yesterday. Not that I knew this was going to happen today, but I knew I was going to cover half when they got to 210. You get rip your face off rallies, you get wide swings in both directions in corrective phases. The IWM is in a corrective phase. If they rally back into the convergence of those moving averages, yes, I will be interested to put that half back on. Now I just Gave away a little bit of what I told lazy swing trader traders early this morning. We don't know that they'll get up there, but I am willing to add half back. Not sure of the exact price just yet, but there will be an alert to lazy swing trader members. Over the next few months, don't be surprised if we trade this thing 10 times. We're not getting married to it. It's just a vehicle. It's a means to an end. Where did they find overhead resistance in the neighborhood of this breakdown candle high? Any surprises with that? Any shockers out there? Not at all. By the way, one of the reasons why I ran through rather quickly inside the numbers today, I wanted to save some time. I wanted to allocate a few minutes to have a different type of discussion. We're going to incorporate gold, silver, inflation, and some other stuff. Stand by. Why are we looking at the RSP today? Because I noticed something interesting, a little bit different than the SPY. Nothing we can hang our hat on, but I like these little nuances. I like to bring them forward because it trains you to look for things that other people just are not looking for. Nuance. Here's a gap left open from the 16th. The closing price, 149.31. What was the price today at close? 149.39. Here in the equal weight S&P, they closed above the gap. In the regular SPY, they closed below the gap. Interesting. I'm not sure we're making a federal case out of it, but I like nuances. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Big update there, up 2%. Again, another snapback type of situation. It was, quote unquote, and I hate this term, but I have to use it. They leave me no choice. It was oversold. There's no measurement for it, but it was oversold. You don't know when something's oversold until after the fact, when it gets the snapback rally, then you're free to say it was oversold. 
Before that, you can say it's oversold, but then you have to follow with, but it can stay oversold for a long time. Therefore, there is no measurement for oversold. The same thing goes for overbought. That's a little sub-soapbox of mine. There's nothing bullish just yet about the transports. Think about it. They got below the moving averages, they started to melt away, and they got, quote-unquote, oversold. They had a snapback rally, some short covering, the whole nine yards. You know how it works. Buying begets buying. Panic buying sets in. That whole short covering cycle that begins with, oh shit, get out of that position. They can rally back to the convergence of these two moving averages, the 100 and the 20 period moving average. They can, we don't know that they will, but they can fail there, come back down, and what would we say then? We would say they rallied back to, A, could be considered the last breakdown area, they rallied back to the convergence of moving averages, couldn't get through, all that stuff. We have the talking points already scheduled to go out. For example, what happens if the market turns around and goes down tomorrow? You wake up and it's a bloodbath. Then we'll say they had a one-day wonder snapback. The media forgot to talk about the Delta variant that sent the market down on Monday, and the Delta variant is back, or some other news-related excuse that was coupled with the market going down, and therefore we resume the downtrend. Obviously, a lot of that's tongue-in-cheek, but hopefully you get the point. What was the hidden point in there? What happened to the Delta variant that was sending markets lower on Monday? Is it the vaccine that was working against the Delta variant until it wasn't working against the Delta variant, and now it's working again against the Delta variant? Is that what's going on? I'm not sure. You tell me. Sounds to me like garden variety media whipsaw behavior. About the Silicon Valley people, the Q people, right back above the 20-period moving average, filled the gap, closed above the gap. The trend is your friend. There's really nothing wrong with this particular chart, especially when you slide over to the weekly variety. The only thing that jumps off the page for me is the extended version of where they are from the 20-period moving average and the fact that last week they put in a high but that doesn't mean it has to be the all-time high, the recent high, the high, any high. It can be, but we don't know that, especially when we're only a couple of points removed from said high. The financials, this chart looks like, for the most part, all the rest, different position than some of the others. For example, just got to the 100-period moving average. Just filled the gap, didn't close above the gap. That's interesting, puzzle piece on the table. You see the different charts, and you see the different position of the charts. The financials are a very, very important component of the entire marketplace. I think that goes without saying. Same routine as we were discussing before with the financials. If they get up to this spot here after recocking the gun, the recocking the weapon, the whole nine yards, if they're doing that, they're not stopping there. Now we know that more than we knew it before or felt it or thought it or said it before, now the next objective would certainly be at minimum of 38. Doesn't mean they are doing this. They can still fail. It's not going to be that easy to get through all this stuff and above the 50-period moving average. Remember, this was a one-day rally. It may be an extended multi-day rally. We don't know. But right now, 
At present, it was a one-day rally. We take the market at face value each and every day. Smash Mouth, pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole. Remember yesterday, it was interesting. They finished at the highs of the day, and we had follow-through today. Can there, under normal conditions, will there be more upside for Smash Mouth? And the answer is, yes, there will. At minimum, they should get to this breakdown candle high, 254 and change, give or take. Maybe they get up to 255, this 20-period moving average. They should be able to do that based on the two prior days activity or price action. All right, we're going to talk about gold. We're going to talk about silver. I'm going to sprinkle in some inflation and some deflation stuff. I'm giving you my thoughts. This is the way I look at different markets, the way I look at what's being discussed out there in the media, and the way I think things are going to unfold if a couple of things line up. It'll become clear in a few moments. Remember, there's always a method to the madness, and the disclaimer is, inside my head is a dangerous place to be. First, let's take the gold chart. Why do I have a line at 160? Because I think if this current setup plays out, I think they're going to come down to 160, 159, maybe lower, but at least around that area. We've got one of these bearish, wedgish things going on on this weekly chart. So a weekly chart takes a little while to play out. Maybe they get to the top of this breakdown candle high. Maybe they don't, but they should come down this way to around 160. Okay, fair enough. But what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm looking at money flow. And I know the discussion about inflation and gold, inflation and silver, or inflation and precious metals. I know that exists. I don't like to marry one thing to another. You know that. I like to treat each market or each thing independent of one another. However, let's have this discussion. It's all things inflation all the time, yet we're seeing the precious metals not really following suit, not really indicating an inflationary environment. Doesn't mean there can't be, and again, just because the precious metals don't signal inflation doesn't mean we're not seeing inflation. At present, we are, but I'm taking it a step further. So if we look at the silver chart, for example, here's the weekly silver. This is SLV. The other is GLD. Instead of looking at the futures, we're looking at the exchange-traded products. It doesn't really matter. It's all the same stuff. This is already melting away. This is kind of ahead of gold. This had a weekly chart, bearish, wedgish thing, and it's already breaking down out of it. So this is telling us that there's money flowing out of silver and out of gold. I don't care what anybody says about you can't buy coins and all that stuff. Yes, you can. This is very simple. Money either flows in something or it flows out of something. Right now, it's flowing out of silver and out of gold. Okay, fair enough. What do we do with that information? Well, let's go over to the bond market. For this exercise, we'll stay with the exchange-traded products. We're using TLT. This has 20-year-plus bonds in it, 20 to 30-year bonds, which means when the price of bonds go up, the interest rate or yields are going down, and the opposite effect takes place as well. When the price of bonds are going down, yields and interest rates, they're one and the same, are going up. We've been talking about bonds for quite some time. Bond prices over the long term have been coming down. Yields have been going up. 
but in the short term, they obviously reverse and things will go counter trend for a while. Okay, fair enough. Now, let's just say that the TLT gets up to this 155 area. Maybe it goes a little higher, maybe it doesn't, but I can make a pretty good case that this was a breakdown area somewhere in here. So if the market rallies back to this spot, is it likely to just blow through it, whistle press the graveyard, or did they run back up to test the former breakdown area and then they'll find overhead resistance and come down once again? That's my take. Okay, fair enough. And again, I'm getting somewhere. If the longer term trend in bonds continues down, that would mean interest rates are going up. Here's the weekly chart of the 30 year interest rate or yield as opposed to the price of bonds. So the chart looks the opposite. Now, let's just say for argument's sake, and we have to assume I'm right for the purposes of this hypothetical. So the market runs up and it does a garden variety retracement, it pulls back, whatever. Maybe this is an ABC, so we've got A leg up, B leg pullback, and then we go higher once again in interest rates, which means the price of bonds is falling. Enter the weekly chart of the US dollar. Everybody hates the dollar, the dollar's going to zero, the dollar's been going to zero for 10 or 15 years. Yet the dollar, and you have to pay attention, this is things that other people aren't looking at, the dollar made a low, and now it made a higher low. So let's just assume for the purposes of this discussion, the dollar is not going lower, but yet the dollar is going higher. Why can't, and this is the monthly chart, why can't this be a long-term uptrend, at least for now? This is a higher low on the monthly chart. Why can't we do this? Well, we can. In the past, I've showed this chart squeezed together, which shows you that they back-tested a breakout area Therefore, this chart is still bullish from a very, very long-term perspective. Sometime in the future, maybe the dollar goes to zero, but that's not what's happening today. So let's see what we have. Let's throw all that stuff in a bucket. We have gold and silver going down. We have the dollar potentially going up. We have the bond market likely long-term going down and interest rates going up. So if interest rates are going up, is it easier or harder to borrow money, whether you're a corporation or an individual? Well, it's harder. So in theory and in practice, higher interest rates definitely put a cap on economic growth. That's just the way the market works. Forget the pundits that tell you as interest rates are going higher, how it's positive for the economy. They're just putting some lipstick on a pig and supporting a case that they want to make. That's it. So here's my point. Markets don't like surprises. Surprises are when the rug gets pulled out. So for example, yesterday the market goes down on, as far as the media was concerned, the coronavirus again, the Delta variant. That's not what happened. The market went down because it went down. If the market's going to get into a corrective phase, and I'm talking about the stock market, and we're gonna get into a correction, a bear market, whatever you wanna call it, if that's going to happen, it's unlikely it's for the same reason that it was before. That's not the way markets work. It's likely going to be a different reason. Again, stay with me, there's a method to the madness. So here's my story. My story is the surprise is there is no real inflation over the long term. It's just a point in time. The Fed keeps saying, and the media repeats, transitory, 
they might be right, but not for the reasons they think they're right. It could be transitory if, in fact, we start to see deflation. Let's say the dollar continues to rise, interest rates continue to rise, the economy starts to slow down as a result of interest rates continuing to rise, and interest rates rise too far too fast, putting a crimp on things to the point where the stock market no longer likes it, and the stock market ends up getting into a corrective phase. Now, what does gold and silver have to do with all that stuff? And by the way, just to reiterate, the surprise would be deflationary forces rather than inflationary forces. And deflationary forces are something as simple as this. Asset deflation, price deflation. Don't read into deflation, it's prices coming down. The value of stuff coming down rather than inflating. That's it. But the media at the time will make deflation into a boogeyman, just like they're making inflation into a boogeyman. So back to the question, what does the gold and silver chart have to do with all that? Well, I'm using them as a tell. Again, I don't want to correlate one thing to another, but here's what I am saying. If in fact gold and silver are weak and money is flowing out, and that's what the chart is saying today, then if I want to stretch a little bit, I would say that there really shouldn't be an inflation conversation as much as these charts may be indicating there's a deflationary force upon us. Markets don't like surprises. Markets tend to react swiftly and without reservation to surprises. So I'm just suggesting beware of this potential surprise. If something develops and they start talking about it, all that stuff, we'll cover it again. Just wanted to throw it out there for some food for thought. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.